0: Yeah.
1: Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 94 of Lay Radio, the show that talks about the universe of elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, second technician, Fozza Forrester, and joining me in the orange sidewinder for this episode are the wonderful Head of Station Archives, Mr. Colin Ford.
2: Good evening, everybody.
1: Head of Station Entertainment, Mr. Christopher Jarvis.
0: Good evening, folks.
1: And finally, we have an interloper that has come on the show to help us all out for this particular episode. Uh, Andrew C., otherwise known as Commander Spike and Commander Hutton Truckers. Hello, Andrew. Greetings. Greetings, sir. How are we?
3: I'm absolutely marvellous, thank you.
1: Excellent, well thank you first of all for coming on the show, we are going to get into a little bit of a discussion around the, um, the background simulation of uh, Elite Dangerous and uh, we had to pull in the ringer, we, re- we read the update from Michael Brooks and it, you know there was just no getting around it, we had to bring in a ringer to help us understand what the heck the bearded one was talking about, so uh, before we get into any of that, let's have a quick update on what people have been doing in and out of games, starting with Mr Jarvis.
0: Yeah, well, I've been uh, – you'll see tonight, actually, if you're watching the Twitch stream, uh, I am out in a place called Bernard Connolly. Bernard Connolly? Co- Colony? There you go. It's not a
1: comedian? It's just a puppet.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm in an a system called Iota Horologi, uh, basically because I am deep in um, – writing uh, escape velocity series three now uh, and i've found that the best way to actually kind of location scout the character's ongoing journey is i have to actually fly it and i have to go to the places so i have um sort of moved over to using elite dangerous largely for my sort of route plotting um largely because to do it in frontier um i I find i find frontier elite i don't know how i ever used to play it because now i just find it really hard and i find now i can't even jump from one system to another without just getting killed en route Um, whereas in elite dangerous i can actually sort of jump around and um look at stuff and so i'm using the um frontier elite 2 naming conventions for places uh, where there are consistency issues that come up. If you look up Bedahoe, for example, in uh, Frontier Elite 2, and then look it up in Elite Dangerous, even though the system is still called Bedahoe, uh, and the planets are largely the same, the actual names of them and the names of the space stations have changed in the 50 years since uh, Escape Velocity is set. So uh, that's what I think. That's not that's
1: actually a, 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 a brothel planet, is it? Just out of interest?
0: <laughs> Bedahoe, no. <laughs> bedahoe is the place where if you eat the indigenous food and drink you gradually turn gold oh really which is why i love it so that's where the goldskins come from and i did ah. I, even though they haven't featured yet in elite dangerous fiction uh i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna out him i did actually i messaged um michael brooks ages ago <coughs> and i said oh i noticed that on the uh um description for bedahoe it doesn't mention the goldskins are they still canon and he said yeah, yeah they're still canon great
2: <laughs> awesome. they are now
0: yeah absolutely so just,
2: just making sure are we
0: yeah and uh, so yeah i've been doing a lot of escape velocity stuff and i've got i've almost got the first two episodes completely written um i've discovered there's some stuff in episode two that's going to have to get pushed into a different episode because that episode's running a little bit too long for the things that i really need to happen in that episode so there's some other subplots in that that are going to get pulled out and put elsewhere um and might mean Kerlek gets his, gets a whole episode to himself at some point. Um, and I've also been I've been playing Chaos Reborn as well. And I do you know what I don't know if it's an update. I've just suddenly got a lot worse at Chaos Reborn. I don't know what's yeah, going on. Yeah, I've been following
1: on. some of your updates and stuff in the chat channel, and you do seem to suck over the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, do you know I well, not
1: suck? You just you seem to be having the worst run of luck, should we say? Considering it's a random dice sort of uh game you do seem to be rolling some really bad spells i know
0: i cast a spell at 98 percent and it failed which <laughs> was really upsetting is that not just the
1: point where you have to pack up your toys and go home i mean yeah. surely
0: i do you know what i didn't have a single unit on the board and my opponent had like four and i was thinking i'll go for a goblin and just to make sure i'll boost it to 98 percent. no you can't even have a goblin chris that's uh <laughs> Uh, so I just, in the end, in the end, I think I just surrounded myself with tanglevine. Um, <laughs> just tried to hope that something good would happen, but it didn't. Um, yeah, and I, I was looking you at my stats uh, since the server criticized.
1: reset. You haven't recently criticized Julian Gollop or any of his design decisions <laughs> or anything like that. He's not just looking down on you yeah. and saying, "I'm going to screw you over, Jarvis."
0: Yeah. Chris Jarvis, base chance if minus fifty yeah, percent.
2: Just about to say that.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't know what it is but basically my stats i mean stats don't lie since the server since the stats reset i have zero wins i haven't won a single game (laughs) since the um the full release so i I, you know and i'm and i'm actually really struggling to complete the um the single player realms i don't know what i'm doing wrong but i am just sucking really hard at this (laughs) game at the moment um so they've announced some new um some new spells and some new creatures so there'll be a whole load of new ways soon this month that i can continue to suck at playing the game
1: which is good oh, okay just quickly what what, uh, what have they announced
0: new spells and new creatures uh there's no more she detail up, in there that there's a there's an update in game that says there are new speeches uh, new creatures and new spells coming um and yeah that's basically everything i know frankly
1: Okay, fair enough, not a problem. Um, what are you cruising around the galaxy in, seeing as you can't fly your uh, your Merlin? Uh,
0: I've got an Asp Explorer now. I actually finally upgraded out of my um, Cobra Mark III uh, and bought myself an Asp, which is really nice, but I keep getting caught out by the slightly slower deceleration of the Asp compared to the Cobra Mark III. So the number of times I've smacked into that little conning tower that's next to the landing pads <laughs> is just ridiculous. Um... And the first time I landed, tried to land on a planet that had, what was it, it was one point one point six Gs it was, I just smacked straight into the surface because um, <laughs> I was really impatiently pointing at the ground and using my afterburners because I'm like, well, I'm two minutes from the ground. I can't be bothered to fly for two minutes. So I was just afterburnering towards the ground. And then I realized when I tried to turn around and slow down that I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so patience is a virtue when landing on planets i think is
2: yeah gravity sucks
0: yeah, yeah
1: absolutely <laughs> okay mr ford what have you been up to Lee?
2: oh uh well in game uh i've i've finally got the the big red python up to a, a spec that i am quite happy with and i'm now beginning to take on um other individuals who who have who are on my kill list so uh If you've killed me in the past, you better watch out. Uh, Out of game, uh, I've been far more pleasant, and um, I've been working with Dave Hughes for the last four weeks or so um, with his uh, Elite Encounters role-playing game, Uh, and looking to see whether or not we've got overlap with the miniatures game that I was working on at uh, Fantasticon. Mm -hmm. And the good news is, is that there does seem to be an awful lot of overlap and uh, what we've been doing, we've been uh, collaborating a lot on getting the Elite miniatures uh, and the and his ship-to-ship combat compatible so that if you wanted to, you could uh, basically uh, either play the miniatures game or if you're playing the RPG, you could integrate the miniatures game into the RPG combat if you needed to. Uh, and so far, so good. Um, I think... Dave is very pleased with the progress that we're making. I'm, I'm quite happy about it as well. And hopefully we'll be starting to play test probably around March. We've got a few little niggles to sort out and I've got a few more miniatures to paint. But apart from that, um, progress is good. Okay,
1: so, so is this going to be instead of um, a, uh, a way, a mechanic of doing that within the role-playing game itself? Because I know that Dave was actually working on a way to do uh, fighting in ships as well as
2: no, no. walking around. The, the, basically, when it comes to ship-to-ship combat, you have a choice. You will be able to either uh, play it narratively, which is basically... Um, uh, you and the GM are deciding uh, how the roles are running, how you describe how the combat is going, uh, you know, in your typical GM fashion, uh, your, stand- your, your standard role-playing fashion. But they're, um, like in past role-playing games like Star Wars and uh, Star Trek, you have the option of using miniatures and a miniatures war game with some rule changes to the miniatures war game, which will allow you to play your characters as one of the ships. And that's the kind of model that we've gone for. So um, if you go to ship-to-ship combat, it's up to you whether or not you want to go ahead with the, the narrative version or whether or not you want to break the models out. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's that's mostly what we'll leave up to the players to decide.
1: Cool. So <clears throat> you say you're going to be sort of playtesting March-April sort of time. Does that mean that you should be up and running by, uh, by LaveCon?
2: Um, well, actually, I mean... Well, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping that we get something together by then. I know that um, on Sellison's, uh Twitch stream and on his uh, YouTube channel, if you go see that, you'll go see the latest updates on the RPG. Um, he is giving himself a soft target of having the RPG ready for Lavecon. Right. Um, which, is, which will be either, I think it will be the ebook version. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, and if anybody's asked, made some requests for Sellison, I advise you get in contact with him. Cause if you haven't been in contact with him, he's, um, he might have forgotten by now. So, you know, you've got to flag up the fact that you wanted a hard copy or something deaf like that. Uh, but, um, things are, I, I think things have been quite helpful over the last month or so. Um, he said that um, he's managed to do at least six months' progress in the last four weeks with the work that we've been doing together. So I feel quite uh, good that we've made some decent progress.
1: Great stuff. Brilliant. Okay, uh, Andrew, what have you been up to? Maybe, actually, why don't we uh, Why don't we just sort of back up a bit? Why don't you give people a little bit of an overview as to... Uh, what sort of role you play within the game? How long have you been playing it? Were you there from the original Kickstarter? What sort of ship you fly and what you're involved in in-game?
3: Okay, um, been on since day two of the Kickstarter after uh, various sort of pledge levels and going up and up. I ended up being a member of the DDF and then pledging for my son to have an account and getting him up to premium beta access. So been playing since, yeah, since right at the very start. Um, at the moment i am flying around in a third lance that was a re- recent acquisition i have actually grown to quite like it i've just got I parked a python up that I didn't really like for combat so the stuff we're doing in game at the moment is a lot of combat stuff so the furtherance is is turning out really really good um and if I do a bit of everything in game I don't sort of don't just do combat or trading I sort of mix everything up if i find i'm getting a little bit bored of doing one thing then i'll just find something else to do and go and try something else basically uh, i've got uh, i do play a second account so for the Hutton and truckers we created we bought an additional account so we could create the private group and then i used that account when i was doing the sagittarius a run in my main account i when i got bored i would play as the truckers account so he's just been upgraded to do some mining in a type 7 which i hadn't tried before so he's parked up somewhere trying his hand at mining
1: Cool, okay, and you mentioned the Traffickers. what's your uh, involvement with that bunch of uh,
3: reprobates? <laughs> um, it, it started sort of by accident, I mean it was all from LaveCon last year and when sort of the sort of conversation started around that and then sort of David started off with the rare item um for, for the Hutton mug rare item being created and i just messaged David via Facebook just saying have you looked the Frontier have said they're doing they have doing stuff about player groups have you thought about doing something for the Hutton truckers and he and then he goes welcome to the Hutton orbital truckers political information team that is you and another commander called uh, Russ Pitcher who's a friend of mine uh, Commander Evenstar and that, that's how our involvement started so, so I uh, help guide some of our actions with, agor- with regards to some of our sort of taking over um, system attempts, ably assisted by um, a team of spies, that have, uh, five or six of us at the moment, that they go around and gather loads of information. So all of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about tonight is basically off the back of all of their hard work that just makes me look quite good. Great stuff.
1: Perfect. Okay, well,
3: uh, for my
1: side of things, I've obviously been uh, a wolf for quite some time. Uh, I think I've explained in a few episodes that uh, a change in job roles for me means I'm now travelling up and down the country and across the island. So uh, I have not had as much time sat in front of my PC playing Elite Dangerous as I would have liked, which kind of actually works out quite well for this episode, because one of the topics that we're going to quickly touch on is uh, the reception for... Um, Elite Dangerous Horizons, which seems to be a little bit mixed. So um, hopefully you guys on the show can actually sort of bring me up to speed with what stuff I've missed and how this stuff is actually going down. So um, without further ado, let's quickly jump into uh, into that particular topic, um, Elite Dangerous Horizons and how it's being received uh, Mr. Ford, what's your experience? How do you feel about Horizons, just quickly? And then what sort of reaction are you noticing out there
2: on the Tinterwebs? Well, at the moment, um, I'm actually quite chuffed with Horizons, but then you probably expect me to say that. Um, admittedly, um, I think the reason because I, uh, that I'm still chuffed with it is because I don't play it as much as a lot of other people. Uh, so, everything that I'm doing at the moment is still brand new. I've got missions types that I've still got to try. I've got um, new worlds to explore. And I must admit, when I'm coming in and landing on a planet, I don't, f- or driving around with a buggy, I haven't got bored of that yet. I've, I mean, I've, I've been driving around picking up materials and things like that and suddenly realized, hang on, I've been doing this for an hour and <laughs> didn't realize. So, you know, if, if I'm kept interested with that, um, I don't think I've got the same uh, frustration levels with it, so that um, a lot of people I've noticed have uh, flagged up.
1: Okay, so <clears throat> are you like myself? Are you one of these people that has sort of the lifetime expansion? So you basically got horizons free of charge, or did you have to fork out cash
2: for it? No, um, I got the uh, the free of charge upgrade because I think yeah. I think everybody in... didn't everybody in live radio get that? I think I think we were all we'd all back to that level anyway.
1: Well that's the thing. So, you know, it maybe puts a, a slightly different slant on it mm. um in terms of, you know, some of the some of the, the stuff that I'm seeing out there on the web in terms of the criticism for it, in terms of it being a little bit shallow on content and you know, frontier developments basically incentive is <laughs> basically getting their cash and then, you know, having to to earn it over the course of the uh, the season and stuff like that. Um if you haven't paid for it, like most of us on the show haven't actually paid for it, we're all getting it as part of our initial contributions. It um, yeah, it might be hard for us to actually be uh, overly critical of it. Um, Jarvis, how do you feel about it all?
0: Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm sort of with you, I almost feel like we can't really do the sort of negative side of it justice because we don't really have anyone <laughs> necessarily involved with the show um, on a regular basis who's actually had to buy horizons but i'll be honest i did find myself i had a friend who still hadn't sort of got um elite yet and he was asking me before christmas whether he should bar- spend the 40 quid on horizons or whether he should pick up elite for 10 you know elite dangerous for 10 quid and i really I-, I really struggled to give him a lift pitch as to why horizons <laughs> was you know was particularly better um and you know, I think that I think you've obviously I think you've read one of the same quotes uh, maybe as me about um, the sort of financial model. I think it's really weird to pay Frontier forty quid at the beginning of a year for a game on the basis that over the course of the next year they're going to make it good. And this is the we've said this before. It's the same problem we had with the original Elite Dangerous that actually the the base game as it came out was quite basic in terms of content Mm -hmm. um but in some respects that didn't matter because we were all excited about flying our favorite ships again and the trading model was basically there and the combat model was basically there which for those of us that were huge fans of you know the elite series that was kind of the main thing that we wanted and everything else is kind of making that making that nice so elite horizons is really it's giving us the planetary landings that we really wanted but again, maybe like the first release of Elite Dangerous, it's a bit thin on the ground. Now, I did, I will, will just repeat what I said last week. It looks to me, from looking from the outside, because I don't understand it yet, that there is a lot of content on planet surfaces, and there are a lot of specific missions to do with planet surfaces. And I don't, I don't think I fully understand it. And I think if Frontier are bad at anything... It's signposting. (laughs) It's it's the unidentified signal sources all over again. They are very bad at signposting where the gameplay is, Um, and I (laughs) think there is a lot going on in all those different kinds of surface installations. And um, oops, do that. And uh, you know there is a lot going on. There is a lot going on there, and I think a lot of people don't necessarily find it. Um, But I do agree with the. I think the number one most helpful comment on. Elite Horizons on um, Steam basically says, you know, it's a great game, but it's really, it, in some respects, it's stupid to give Frontier 40 quid at the beginning of the year and then expecting them to spend the year fixing it. And someone earlier on this, the Skype thread was saying to me, you know, is it not the same as a season pass? The thing is, with a season pass, there is a contract there and there is a promise of delivering <clears throat> content throughout the season. Whereas actually this promise isn't quite the same it's 40 quid for a game that isn't quite finished and frontier have said yes we're going to be adding to it throughout the year but if they don't add to it throughout the year um I- i'm not i'm not suggesting for a moment that frontier would would renege on what they're planning to do but i think that there is no implied contract for them to have to produce anything else for the game um anything they decide to leave out they're going to be pushing into a third year yeah, effectively have subscriptions um and actually you know we're gonna i was actually a little bit pleased when i saw the show notes and i saw um a link to, to a bit more detail about some of the stuff that's coming but when i saw the newsletter and the planned releases for the horizon season a couple of them left me feeling a bit i, I you know i don't really care um and that's a really harsh criticism but i think if i look at something like you know avatar manipulation i don't care what my commander looks like or at least i do it'd be really nice if it was like a if as part of a release there was a bullet list of about 20 things and at the bottom it said by the way you can now decide what your what your commander looks like great but if it's like a wings scale release now you can make your commander look bald and a little bit grayer than, <laughs> than maybe it did before um <laughs> you know i don't for me that's not a that's not a quarter year's worth of anticipation um that's that's going into that
1: um is a quarter year's anticipation what what sits pretty with you in terms of what they can produce
0: walking around the first person
1: okay so that's a quarter of the year
0: yeah um, no 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 no, that's that's harsh but what i'm saying is if you were to tell me that um this year's four releases were you know fighters in your cargo bay for quarter one okay i'm a little bit mad about that but it's a it's a it's a nice thing and it's probably not that difficult in the grand scheme of things for them to do second release uh um multi-crew co-op you know middle of the year co-op crews hopefully it plays something a bit like either pulsar or artemis um but obviously in in elite dangerous that'd be great um and then towards the end of the year you're going to be able to get out and walk around your ship for me if those those were the headline features for this year i would be happy as larry but i i can't get until we get much more detail about what the gameplay is in looting and crafting i can't get excited about crafting just for the sake of it um fighters being able to carry a small fighter around i'm probably not at the end of the game where that really makes a difference to me uh like i say player avatars not bothered multi-crew yeah really looking forward to that um but i mean i just think the, the if you if you go on steam and you look at this this high rated it's it's a negative review and the guy says look i you know i love elite dangerous um but even at the end of the review he says he can't see why elite horizons at the moment is worth 40 quid when you can get elite dangerous which as he rightly says is the best space combat and trading simulator currently in existence anywhere um when you can pick that up for per pocket change and that's the issue i have with horizons um i don't think they haven't you know they've made improvements they've made the game better but that's for the people who are along for the whole ride for someone who just bought elite dangerous and is now going to have to spend 30 quid to buy horizons i i couldn't have it in my heart to sell it to them do you know what i mean
2: no, I understand that. Colin, what's your thoughts on it? Well, yeah, there's been um, an awful lot of uh, complaining uh, uh, about this price point on all the other, well, the non-elite boards, if you like, what uh, like the independents, like Massively PC Gamer, uh, and uh, SpaceBattles.com, uh, three of my, my regular haunts. And the, the, the whole impression that you get is that they're just looking... At this one price point of forty pounds, or thirty pounds if it's an upgrade, uh, and they can't get past that. I don't think the I don't think it's even got through to people that there's more content coming. It's the equivalent of paying for an MMO, which um, you pay your monthly sub and you and you get upgrades as you go along. Um, say, for instance, if I was still playing SOTOR, I'd be still paying something like. Um, eighty quid for a quarter I think it's yeah, eighty quid for six months or something like that. But I'm paying that up front and I know that I'm getting upgrades and and more expansions as as things go on. But I, I don't think people see it that way. I think they were they were seeing, oh a DLC that you get that for about twenty quid, don't you? And th- when they see the, the, the price They just can't get their head around it and say, no, it's not worth it. And (laughs) it also goes back to the very fact that Frontier, uh, they like you to discover things they've put in. Uh, And I think in this case it might be working against them because everyone is looking. It's it's the good old space trucker syndrome. If you go and do um, the, the space Euro Truck Simulator constant trade run, you get burnt out and you burnt out, burn out quite quickly the main problem that you've got is that you've got to break away and you've got to force yourself to break away from doing those trade runs and try and experiment and do something else and I don't see people doing that, they're just going to run, grind the missions and grind the trading and suddenly realise there's not much different here but if you go looking at points of interest, then things start getting a little bit more interesting
0: it would, be interesting okay. to know. Uh, it would be interesting to yeah. know, if, because it is an issue over the price point, really. If they'd made it 10 quid four times a year, whether mm. or not the reaction would have been different.
2: I don't I don't think the reaction would be this bad,
0: no. to be honest. 10, ten quid it, for the landing on planets and driving around in buggies, great fun.
1: Mm. Yeah, what no, what absolutely. Mean? If you think about it, 10 quid is also what you'd pay for like a gold um, uh, ship skin, yeah, which people pay... Quite happily, and possibly pay four of those a year without batting an eyelid.
2: Yeah, but then we then we're all going back to the subscription model because the one problem that, that they do have is is for this particular upgrade there is one big cutoff point. You can say right, um, if you've got Horizons, you've got the ship landing uh, module, so that means you can land on planets. How are they going to split it so that the you know all of a sudden your avatars? are only available to this lot, or, um, uh, or only these ships can, can remote control fighters, uh, that puts a whole lot of extra time and resources on, in developing the game just to fragment it even more which um, yeah
1: but they did say that um the base game the base simulation was going to get some of these additional things regardless of whether or not people paid for the updates so possibly things like that where it is going to be difficult to integrate without having a you know everyone gets everything uh, mentality uh, maybe those will be some of the elements that people get for free so who knows andrew what's your thoughts on all of this buddy
3: just go back to the sort of the price point thing. I've, I've responded. I've seen people complaining about it as well on on Facebook, and I've responded to a few posts. And the way that I've always looked at it is, if you go to the cinema or go to a football, a football ticket, it's going to Premiership football ticket, it's going to cost you forty or fifty quid for an hour and a half's potential entertainment, depending on who you support. Whereas, <laughs> like, for, 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 I mean, I I support Newcastle, so so it's it's definitely not good value for money. But from an, from the league point of view, if you if if you look at how many hours you play a, a year, and if you're paying forty quid. For I mean I mean now they're giving us the the stat in so you can see how many weeks and hours and stuff you've played and it's quite bad if you sh- show your wife you don't want to see that. But from from a pa- sort of price per hour that, of entertainment, it's stonkingly good value. And then where it's slightly different from subscription as well because it it is it, they it is looking like subscription, but the one big difference is if you don't want to pay any more, you don't pay, but you keep the game that you've got. Mm. So if people don't want to pay for it, they can carry on playing. Playing elite, they've sort of a base game to their heart's content, and they don't have to give Frontier anymore. It's not like you've stopped paying; therefore, we cut off all, all your access. So, I, I think they've handled it a really good way. But people are always going to complain and say, "Oh, it's too much money because they don't want to don't want to pay." But from my point of view, it, it's stonkingly good value because you get such good number of hours' of entertainment out of it.
2: No, I think the main problem that people have got though is that um, the the main problem is the new players who are coming in for 40 quid uh yet it seems that people who are upgrading are having to pay 30 quid the the difference is i think a lot of people who are um paying for the horizons upgrade feel that uh a bit hard done by because they they think hang on that's, that i i've paid almost 40 quid for this game how come all of a sudden I'm having to pay another sheller another thirty, so that's seventy quid. I'm having to pay out, yet Mr. Newby here comes along and he can get the whole lot for forty.
3: But I, I think that was a that's just a, a t- I think that's I I don't think they handled it brilliantly, but I think that's that's a timing issue of the purchase. I, I know they adjusted the prices as it got closer, so it was the full price, and and then as, as it got closer to when the other one was going to launch, it's like it, they warned you that you can pay this much extra now and, and start playing the game now or if you want you can wait two months and you can pay 40 quid and get everything for 40 quid and not have to pay that extra so it it, it, it wasn't brilliant but they did people they did at least let people know look if you want to wait wait that's absolutely fine you can have it for cheaper but if you want to play now it is going to cost you a bit more because you're playing now and not waiting two months
2: hmm well and all i all I know from uh, watching the uh from the most of the message boards the ind- the kind of people who have bought elite uh and not actually uh seasoned past it like we have or got the lifetime past they seem to be thinking right okay i'm gonna stick with the base game for the moment, yep, and I'm gonna see whether or not it comes up in a steam sale quite soon
3: mm. I- and I go back to, um, to agree with what Jarvis was saying before when he was ch- chatting to his friend. I, I would struggle to say what's currently in Horizons that, that makes that extra money worth it at, at this point in time. Now, I'm sure we, we've seen it, with the, what they did with the base game. The base game is now fantastic. It improved massively over its first year. And I'm sure they'll do the same with, with, with Horizons. But yeah, so I, I, I agree. I think people probably will be waiting and see if it goes down in price later on in the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't the problem we've got with this game is that, yeah, it, it is so vast. It is trying to be something
1: for everybody um, that they're always going to have some damp squibs out there in any season. So last year, I mean, for me, CQC was a big bucket of meh, but, you know, I could see where people would like to, you know, like to engage with that. Um, likewise, power play for me was a big old bucket of what the hell is going on with this. Yeah, those were two elements that for me, gave me no extra enjoyment to the to the game at all. Added nothing, really, to the game universe for me. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what comes out in Horizons. I mean, if it's just prettifying... prettifying, That's not a word. prettyifying <laughs> Definitely not a word. Enhancing. Um, enhancing your avatar and playing dolls with your avatar and putting makeup and, you know, I did all of that in EVE, you know. <laughs> um, and it wasn't much fun then either, you know. So that... Yeah, you know, as Jarvis says, if that's going to be another quarter's worth of updates, then that goes on my my meh list, unfortunately. Um, but the multi crew thing, the multi crew thing, I think from Horizons could be the real sort of standout feature. It does something that we haven't seen in any other previous uh, iterations of Elite. It's done, doing something we haven't seen really in any other sort of space simulation. I know Star Citizen are talking about it, but if they get that right. Uh, then that could potentially be, you know, the season, you know, justified there and then. So um, anybody got any more things to add on this before we move on uh, with the rest
2: of the show? Well, I was just going to put one final point in, and that's that it's not just these big updates that are coming. We've had all year... Uh, little refinements, little changes to um, the system, to the user interface, um, which, uh, you know, to the mission system and, and 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 of course, there's always in the background, this big plot that's going on, that's, uh, you know, the, uh, well, what was it, the unidentified artifacts and things like that. That's all happening and bubbling away quite nicely in the background. And a lot of people are just ignoring that, but we know it's there, and we, that will come into play. I think, and be more noticeable this year. Uh, I, I think I do genuinely think that um, there's going to be a lot more going on than just those big four updates that I mentioned in the newsletter.
1: Okay, <clears throat> that's interesting. Well, the. Um the other thing, obviously, again, I have been out of the universe for a long time, so coming back and doing you know, doing a bit of prep work for this show, there seems to be an issue, and again, this could possibly feed into uh, the, the, the content that's going on with Horizons and landing on planets, but there does seem to be an issue out there at the moment with uh, some bugs in the game, and specifically around
3: missions. What's going on there? I was just going to say, we, so we've, in the tracking of the missions that we've been doing to... to to help with some of the work that we're going on. We've definitely seen issues with the multi-part missions. So where it's pick up this and then you you go somewhere and then it gives you the second part to either go and get something else and take it somewhere else. We've seen um, an issue, quite quite an issue with with some of those where the person you're meant to meet just doesn't turn up in the second or third part of the mission. So we've actually told the guys that are working on some of the background stuff for us to actually just ignore those missions for the meantime. So that's what we've experienced so far with them.
1: Okay. Now, those sort of um, are those missions that you can sort of <clears throat> ring fence or, or spot on the bulletin boards? Yes. Or are they yeah, they are. Okay. Yeah. What they're, type they're,
3: of missions are they? Uh, well, they'll show They'll show up. So they usually look like sort of courier. They look like courier missions, but it will say we're looking up. We're, we're looking for a reliable commander to go and deliver to this. You'll get more information when you get to your destination. So they're, they're easy to spot, and we we're
2: just, we've just just been leaving those alone for the last couple of weeks. Okay. You'll, you'll also notice on the icon they've got a number of dots underneath. And I think that uh, from what I've played of those missions so far, the number of dots is the number of stops that you have to do. Uh, that's interesting. So, um, well, I don't know because I think the last four, to- four times I've done it, there have been four dots, there have been four stops. I've yet to see whether or not I'm right, whether or not it's three dots for a third one, but that's the way I've I've seen it so far.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've had a problem with the missions with um, some of the cargo ones that are labeled as mission specific. Now, this isn't the ones where they give you the cargo that that seems pretty straightforward. They give you cargo. And that is the one you have to deliver. You can't lose it and then just go and rebuy it. The prob- the ones I've had problem with is when it's, you know, when you have to go and get things like um, pick up uh, like black box or something.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What it'll say is, it'll say, you have to pick up a black box mission specific. Now you can fly around USSs and weak signal sources and salvageable wreckage, and you can pick up all the black boxes in the world. Uh, and the game sometimes won't give you one that you can actually use to complete that mission. It's obviously there's obviously some particular scripting in mind. They want you to go to like a particular uh, wreck site in order to pick up this black box, and for, I don't know. I've it's hard for me to say how it should work because I haven't seen it work yet. Um, so I don't know what aspect of it is broken.
2: Um, well, I, I um, sorry. I, I would recommend that you also drop by um, distress signals because I have found every now and yeah. again you come across a destroyed dis- ship at a distress signal. I've,
0: I've, obviously, I've done them all. Done them all. I've, oh, have I've, you? I've, all right, fair I've, enough. I've, 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 I would say I've filled my cargo bay. I haven't filled my cargo bay because obviously it's an ASP. But I had about fourteen or fifteen black boxes in my in my hold. And if you change the filters to be mission cargo. Nothing shows up, and if you go back to oh, the person right. that gave you your job, the give give black box or give cargo button just doesn't highlight. Um, so there's obviously something there that's not working, um, and I have tweeted Frontier Help about that today, and they've said that they're aware of it and they are looking into the problem. Damn, we don't. Uh, read which is the nice because is them, yeah, which is nice because the threads on the forum hadn't been responded to, so I didn't know whether or not they'd pick them up.
1: Okay, that's interesting. What about um, again, having not seen much of going down onto planets? How's the integration with missions in terms of getting missions and space stations that have a, a planetary aspect uh, to them working? Is that um, seamless? Is it interesting? Is it something you guys are getting involved in?
2: Well, I am, uh, obviously. Um, I mean, they're, they're kept separate on the bulletin board. They've got surface-specific missions as a, as a, a little section. So, you know. The, um, Basically, you just look down there and say, "Right, okay, they want a delivery at this place, or they want to, uh, they want to run, uh, 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 drop off something here somewhere else." But the main thing I've found is the best planetary missions you find on planets themselves. That's that's where you get the ones where you want to raid the uh, raid the bases, or people say, "Can you test our defenses? Those kind of things um, are. A lot more interesting than uh, people let on, and I, I think I think they're being missed out on a bit. Although, admittedly, I think some of the description could be a bit clearer because you sort of say, "All <laughs> oh, right, you need to you need to shut this stuff down," and you go, "Okay, you get there, and you got no idea how you do it." <laughs>
1: how are you supposed to do it? Is this where you go and shut down generators by blowing them up?
2: Yeah, it's effectively, it says shut down the laser turrets, and you sort of, I've tried shutting down the laser turrets, and then you realize, oh no, it's shutting down the uh, the generator behind the laser turrets, or, or accessing this particular data link, and uh, I still haven't got my head around exactly how you do it yet.
1: Okay, so, but they are there, they are working, but you think that they're basically, there's better stuff to get, there's better fodder if you actually go down and get them from the planetary surface rather than, Get I, I the would
2: ones say, space. Yes, I, I, I'd say that the, if you want interesting planetary missions, you get them from planets. I think from most of the ones in space stations, you get them to be delivery missions. Right.
1: Okay. Interesting point. Well, one of the things I wanted to bring up here um, <laughs> is a section I've entitled, uh, From Hero to Zero. Uh, and I know this is a story that's been posted on the forums, and it's also been sent directly to us. Uh, and I thought it was quite an interesting, an interesting topic to just pick up on. Uh, I'm not going to mention the uh, the commander's name because there's a chance that the <laughs> the interwebs might not be too kind for him after I've read the story. But um, I think there might be a few people that might start pointing and laughing at his misfortune. But you're not going your to read the gist no, I'm not. So basically, <laughs> this guy was out there um, having you know, played the game. He's grinded his way all the way up to an anaconda. Uh, then in Horizons, he's basically accepted a low-level 50k mission to deliver silver from point A to point B and meet this NPC. Similar, actually, I think, to what you guys were talking about here. So it sounds like you might really have picked up on one of your buggy missions. So he's got into the system saw his contact, followed him, in, and dropped out of Super Cruise and found absolutely nothing there waiting for him. Then he says within a couple of seconds he was surrounded by 25 vultures who attacked and destroyed him in less than 10 seconds. At this point, he realizes he's around about 200, 300k short of his insurance for his ship and gets busted all the way back down to a sidewinder. Needless oh. to say, he is not in a happy place at the moment. Um, so... As this potentially was a mission glitch, should he try appealing to Frontier? Um, with 25 vultures for a 50k you know, uh, worth on the mission, is it the fact that the mission was out of balance completely? Um, should he have that many ships attacking him when the mission itself is only worth 50k? Um, and let's talk a little bit around whether or not the hero-to-zero m- um, <clears throat> mechanic within the game is too harsh. Should there be an option in there to get another ship with insurance? You know, maybe something slightly less than the one that you couldn't afford. Um, and then, remind me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there something about getting a loan um, at one stage as well? Wasn't that a DDF mm, yeah. topic
3: that you could oh, put yourself yeah, straight into think,
1: yeah. debt? Yeah. There yeah. is a loan
3: there. Yeah, they but- increased the amount, didn't they? Yes. to It used to be, it used to cover you probably for like up to a a cobra, but I think after a number of uh, incidents, I suppose, they upped it. It goes up to like 700,000 now, I think, or something, the, the loan amount. So I think it's probably just enough to cover an ASP.
1: Okay. So, I mean, it's also worth noting before we go into the discussion on this is that, you know, he has been busted down to zero before. He had a 98 million <laughs> credit type nine that he didn't.
0: Ooh. He's, well, he's, a, just he's one of those into, people that things just happen so, to, is he, do you think?
1: Yeah, he, he's, one of these, you know, he's one of these people that you find in the galaxy, you know, he's you know, one of these galaxies, unfortunate people. So, um <laughs> let's let's start off the uh, thing um we're we, we not going to judge him well maybe we are going to judge him but let's uh <laughs> let's see how we get on let's start with you jarvis what's your thoughts on this particular scenario
0: yeah i mean i don't really have any comments on the mission um i i do find it very strange that the game is that if you don't make your insurance for a big ship, that you get busted all the way back to, like, the starting ship. And and, and I know that the standard internet response for this is, don't fly without insurance. But if you think about it, if you get killed with enough money for your insurance, and then you buy your ship back, you then might not have enough money for your insurance, because you've just paid it you're still going to have to go out and fly. You're still going to have to do missions. So there are always going to be scenarios where you have to make back your insurance money. I mean, not always, unless you, you know, unless you always make sure that you have twice as much insurance as you possibly need. But I think in any scenario where you say you have to fly with insurance, it's it's not always possible. But one of the things that this guy said was a real problem about getting the money back is that because he is has high like elite levels in combat and trading and all the other things having been in a bigger ship the game treats him as if he's like a dangerous commander but he's in a sidewinder so the game is throwing enemies at him that he should really be in an anaconda to take on and he's finding that he can't leave a station without getting destroyed by npcs because he's just not in a big enough ship you know that is a problem but I, i do also think that it's it's very strange that you can't um uh it's very strange that you 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 have to it's it's either all or nothing what i'd like to see is three options i'd like to see you be either able to um get your ship back or uh, go for the free sidewinder or the other option of course is 75 percent so like you know you have an option where it says okay we'll give you we'll give you credits to the value of 75% of your ship. Now that means if you've just lost an Anaconda and you can't afford the insurance you're not going to get straight back in an Anaconda but you're going to get back in something that's the tier just below that's going to enable you to work your way back to it you know without too many problems. And I think for for me that would be the way to go for this insurance problem because I can't think of any other game which dumps unless it's like an iron man mode there's no other game which is going to drop you all the way back to level one um because if you think about like an an rpg or an mmo or something if your character dies and you lose all your equipment it's not really an issue because you've still got your player skills so you've still got your character skills you've still got your levels you've still got you know whatever else you've got going on oops a daisy i don't mind so i'm just blowing up my ship (laughs) um you, you're about to watch me lose my ass but not have the insurance for it um <laughs> the
2: there's irony for you yeah yeah absolutely
0: <laughs> um where but the thing is in that game so you can go and buy some equipment and it will be your it'll be your your character skills that save you and you can just buy rebuy some stuff but if when you died in an mmo you lost all your kit and got dumped back down to level one you'd be very unhappy
3: Sorry, Sorry, I was just going to say, I I think an option I'd like to see there is, and I don't know whether it applied to him, I'm guessing not, because he's gone back all the way to the Sidewinder, was to be able to, if you can't afford the insurance for the ship that you've got, but you've got other ships cashed up, you shouldn't potentially be able to sell those ships to cover the insurance. So if he's lost his anaconda, but he's got a python parked up somewhere, he's like, hold on, let let me flog my python, and that will give me the money to cover the insurance. I mean, if it's happened to him twice, he's got no spare, and he's got no spare ships. I, I'm slightly sort of mean and thinking the fact that he's been burnt once before. He should have been slightly more 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 cautious. I know what you're saying before about there are situations if you've just lost it and then you haven't got the insurance, but you could you could then sell that ship and put yourself in a smaller ship that you've got more than enough money for to to bring it back up. So I, if it's happened to him more than once, I am slightly unsympathetic. But I agree <laughs> there are some th- there are some more options that could certainly be slightly nicer to people
0: yeah i mean i mean i don't trade in my ships when i buy new i always buy you know I've, so far i've bought them all outright so i know that if i lose this ship i've got like a heavily upgraded cobra mark three sitting somewhere yep. that i just need to you know, i just need to go and get it um but yeah I, I i find it very difficult to kind of speak with authority about the high end of the game that flies anacondas and things because i've never been there <laughs> so
1: <laughs> okay fair enough colin your thoughts on all this
2: well, um, I must admit, this is, this is the one heartbreaker that everybody is scared of the most, isn't it? Is when you get to that top level of, I'd say Python or Ferdilance above, and, and you are basically, you've just upgraded and you are basically flying missions with your, your own teeth grinded, just hoping that you can get through and you're not busted down to a Sidewinder. Um, that, that for me actually adds an extra bit of, um, edge to the game which uh, I I kind of enjoy (laughs) but um, I must admit I have been busted down once and that is such a horrible feeling and yeah, it's one of those moments when you just relaunch in the Sidewinder again you go uh, do I walk away at this moment in time Uh, because it's happened to Grant as well he said it was an absolute heartbreaker
1: Well, you can imagine, because there is an element of grind to this game. So (laughs) to have to put those physical hours back into the game and knowing that, you know, it's taking you 60 hours or however long to to get to that particular point, knowing it's going to take you just as long, because there's no shortcuts to some of these things. There is is a grind element that just takes as long as it takes. Um, uh, Yeah, the, the whole thing about EVE Online where they, you know, they tell you don't fly what you can't afford to lose. From having done it twice, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I do think. I mean, I would be, I'd be up for chanting my arm and taking this. Well, probably not that. We mentioned it onto the radio, <laughs> um, but I would have chanced my arm with uh, with Frontier and say, you know, this was a glitch. Um, and, you know, whilst this glitch was occurring, these guys just happened to, and I wasn't paying attention because it was a glitch, and, and look what happened to me. Any chance that you could give my, my keys to my Conda back sort of thing, um, I would definitely give it a go, but whether oh. or not they to give well, it back to her, I don't know.
2: If it is one of these glitched missions, you certainly ask whether you put in an appeal and say, was it a glitched mission that caused this? And if it was a glitched mission, then um, I would hope that Frontier would do the right thing and say, "Yeah, it was glitched. That was a bug on our heart, on our part. Here, have your keys back." But if it was one of these sneaky missions which um, I've dropped into. And all of a sudden, I think, "Oh, gold canisters! I'll go scoop one of them." <laughs> <laughs> and
1: oh, what, what what are these anacondas doing? <laughs> I,
2: I agree with
3: Colin's point before, though. Just it's slightly unrelated, to, but about flying with knowing, with not having enough money to insurance, and also flying without shields, which I've I've <laughs> done no- knowingly earlier earlier on in my pilot's career when you're you're trying to trying to get that extra bit of money, and it certainly does add a level of excitement that doesn't exist in the game in any other way because you know you're gambling everything on. Just, just trying to maximise that, that that trade run, and it it, it, it it is quite exciting. Don't quite think I'd do it out in my um, ASPEC fertile lands, though. No, uh,
2: wear you, and- your
3: brown pants.
1: Yeah. In fairness, I think most people might have had that experience when they first got into the uh, the Type 9, because obviously in the Type 9 you could make yourself a, a lot of extra money. I think I probably did about five or six runs in the Type 9 without any insurance. But the problem with the Type 9 is it doesn't handle like any <laughs> yeah. other ship in the game. And when you're scraping it off the docking port, <laughs> knowing <laughs> that it's not insured, suddenly the whole, you know, that pressure of docking, we haven't really seen since the original Elite back in yeah. eighty uh, eighty four suddenly comes flooding back to you and you start getting these sweats on and you're thinking christ 96 million credits worth of stuff and i'm i'm scraping it across the top of this docking port so no i agree the uh, the flying without insurance and flying without shields is definitely one of those wonderful unique sphincter twitching moments that the game has for us so um okay let's leave it there let 's leave our uh, that commander and his misfortunes to one side and and move on to the the main topic of the show, which is the dev update that has come out from the wonderful hairy mr brooks um, and this is all around the the background simulation now obviously you 'll know that this show is all uh, assisted with the Hutton truckers um, so we 've had some experience of getting involved with you know, having a having a minor faction. And trying to uh, trying to flip some systems and doing some various things for the for the good of the the group um, but the one element that has always bamboozled baffled, completely and utterly confused the heck out of me as we've been trying to do this is what the hell we're doing it for or, or let me put it a different way what the hell are we doing? That's going to have any effect on the game this whole sort of background simulation that frontier tell us is running there and doing this yeah as always with frontier it's nice and clear and everybody understands what the heck's going on and it's all well documented or maybe not um But this time, Michael Brooks has gone out there, he's given us an update, he's given us a little bit more flesh on the bones as to what is actually happening in this background simulation and what sort of things people need to do with their player groups in order to actually take over a system or, you know, take over some of the system assets. So, Andrew, if you wouldn't mind, you understand this stuff far better than I do. How about just giving us a quick sort of um, background as to what sort of things it is possible for a minor faction to do and how... You can now go about it with the information that we've got from Mr. Brooks.
3: Yeah. So okay. So it, so you can so player groups can so can contact Frontier and, and request to have um, a minor faction um, created, which we, was what we did for for the Hutton Truckers. You pick sort of um, what type of group. So what sort of legal state you are, whether um, democracy or anything like this. You pick a system where you where you want to be your your home base, which station you'd like. Frontier review it, and then when they do some server-side changes, they'll you'll then appear in the game. And when, so player minor factions will get given a controller of a station in the system that, that that they've requested to be in, assuming it's been approved. Um, so from there, you are depending on what system you're in. So if you look at the minor factions in the system panel on the right-hand side for the, when you're flying through a system, you'll see anywhere from sort of three to seven we think the maximum is. And they'll have different different influence ratings. Now, the faction that has control of the largest um, station or outpost in the system, which is typically the one that's got the largest population, is deemed to be in control of, of that system. So depending on what you've got, you can then perform actions to either take over other... Um, outposts or stations in your system. And then if you get to the point where you're in control of a system, which means you have control of all the stations in in the system, you can then go into an expansion state where your faction can then start to appear in other systems and you can spread your influence out across systems. So that's roughly what it's there for. I mean, it's there to give players something else to do it's it, it's there adding to the depth of the game that sort of was apparently never there at the beginning but i think always has been but they've they, yeah so it's a give. so if you don't want to do just trading or, or power plays probably a bit much that it gives something slight i think the minor faction stuff is a lot more focused than power play because it's more intimate it's more focused in a single area and you're more personally attached to you because we've created the hutton truckers hutton orbital truckers cooperative that is our little baby so, so we then look after it more and i think i think it's a lot more to get attached and sort of more deeper involved with it
1: great stuff so i mean the stuff that um michael's posted in the um in the graphs and charts saying you know what particular actions have what particular effect on your your
3: influence Um, did we know this before or is this new information so uh, that that one little chart in the start of that post that's that's not, not very big on my screen he sort of um uh, that took us about three months to work out most of that, <laughs> and, and and he's actually given more information because because of the figures and stuff that he's given. So, what when we started we sort of started the, the, our minor faction in the game, one of the things that we we set up. So we got some, there were some commanders part of the Hunt and Truckers that, that were very sort of active in in looking at this. So we sort of created the Hunt the Hunt and Truckers spy team, and they had sort of the the, the remit to go and start running any missions that they saw, so we could track what the influence was. So we've got as most factions have, we've got spreadsheets all over the place tracking <laughs> what, what does what, so I think we've got a list of over 300 missions that we ran between the sort of six or seven of us, looking at what type of mission it was, where it was in, were we in control of the system at the time, what the state was, and then to see what effect that mission had, so when we were in, so, so we could then tell the rest of the truckers via sort of the Facebook and the website and the radio show, look, this is what we want to do, these are the type of missions that it's good to do, or these are the kind of actions that it's good to do Because what changes and what the the chart shows is the missions and the actions that you perform vary depending on what state your minor faction is in. So a minor faction can be in civil unrest, in war, civil war, lockdown, um, expansion, famine and outbreak. So depending on what state you're in is what. And where you are in relation to the system, so whether you're in control of a station or trying to take over a station, or you're right at the bottom of the list of all the minor factions, what you do will is changed by what state you're in and what you're trying to do. So, it, it, so it's not just a case. So we'll sort of commonly tell our commanders, look, leave this type of mission alone completely. We don't want that to be done. These are the type of missions to pick up. So at the moment, we're in a state of war in a system called WISE eight five five 714 so the, the, so there are missions for hut and truckers in there for cargo missions and things like that, but they won't actually make a difference to what we're doing. And that was the one bit of information we hadn't actually had that that first chart gives us. So we now know that the commanders should go into the conflict zones and do fighting, which we knew was good, but also only pick up combat missions and actions. Now, the actions bit is the bit we're a little bit grey on that Michael hasn't come back and clarified. but So we're ignoring trade missions and things like that at the moment because we know those won't make a difference to our um, to our um, attempts to win the war. Okay,
1: so 300 missions, spreadsheets coming out of your ears and your arseholes uh, yep. to find out information that the devs maybe should have already. Given us, I mean, is that bad design, uh, bad communications uh, yeah. on the part of Frontier, or yeah, no. have you enjoyed this? You know, yes. absolutely enjoyed. Have it.
3: Right, yeah, okay. And so when we delivered the Hutton um, trophy mug to Frontier a few months ago, so I, I was one of the people that that, that, that was lucky enough to get, to go and deliver for it, and we went out for lunch with um, with Zach, uh, Johnny Watts, who was the who we gave the trophy to, so he's the chief creative officer, and Mike Brooks. They took us out for lunch and just had a chat. And one of the things we were chatting to Mike Brooks about this, and they've Deliberately left the background simulation vague because they don't want it. So i going to say they don't want it turning into a, spread, a pure spreadsheet numbers thing. So, so all our spreadsheet is doing is tracking it so we can get an idea of what is good. But we don't we don't know how good actions are. We just know those actions have a positive impact. So he, they were deliberately trying to avoid it just being a pure numbers game. And I think they want some mystery to it so it's not just clear cut because. In theory, if they're simulating human populations, then it, it's not going to be completely clear-cut and different things happen. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if there's some form of random element in there as well or potentially control that they might be doing. I saw a post on Reddit uh, yesterday that, that is replied reply from one that some of the systems are classed as protected systems. So a lot of the Fed players are nervous that we're expanding because we're very near Seoul and they think we're going to try and take over Seoul. Um that that's classed as a protected system by Frontier. And there was a post that Mike Brooks came back with saying, any expansion attempts into there, yes, it, ca- it is technically possible for players to take over that, but it would require a massive concerted effort of a huge number of players and for us to then approve it. But it's not completely locked off, so Akenar and Sol and, and all of the key systems aren't completely locked off, but they would require a massive group of players to actually do it. So it's not necessarily something that we're, that, that we're interested in at all, although being in charge of soul would be quite cool
1: okay so i mean when i was reading over the information one of the things that sort of stood out for me is obviously that when we go through these expansion phases and then we have to scout around the uh, surrounding systems to see if there's you know if our influence has, has got us to the point where we can start doing missions in in other systems and try and build up our influence on that that jump from um, system to system seems to be completely random and potentially can jump us into a system, as Michael Brooks was saying it that you know, it could possibly be very, very difficult. Um, for us to keep. So it could be part of a a faction that is completely, you know, the diametric opposite to yep. what we put down. So if we've put down, you know, we want to be a democ- uh, democ- uh, democracy and we go into either an anarchist system or, you know, any an imperial system, you know, actually trying to hang on to that system would take a ridiculous amount of resources and effort on our part. You know, and is that... Is that a good thing, that random element that we suddenly appear in that system where actually tactically, if you were thinking it through, you would never have chosen to go into that particular system, let alone
3: have to fight and then keep it? What like the system that we that we expanded into? <laughs> like the system we're in at the moment, yeah, absolutely. It's even, it's even worse than Alpha Centauri. So it, it's not quite random. So what we've been able to work out from speaking to other, because there are other player groups doing what we do, but have got have been doing it for much longer. So we've been chatting to s- s- some other groups that have got I mean, already in control of, of eight systems to get get some information from them. And there was a great post on the forums by uh, a gentleman, a commander called Walt. I can't remember his surname. Who, who there's a if you Google early uh, back, uh, dangerous background simulation to minor factions, it's it a great forum post with a lot of lot of information in there. It, you can control where you go into. Ish, but it requires a hell of a lot of effort. So what it looks like, what we know or what it appears to be is you go into the nearest, it, it picks the nearest systems first. So no, no one's expanded more than a 30 light year range from what we've been able to work out, but it bases it on uh, near systems and the number of factions that are already in that system. So if the system's full and we think the full limit is seven minor factions, then you can't expand into that system. So one of the, advanced techniques that I've read about and probably requires a hell of a lot of effort is if you want to control where you you go to, you start supporting other factions in other systems to expand. So, these could, in theory, be player factions or they could just be NPC factions. And you help them expand into the systems that you don't want. And therefore, you block that system from you from being able to expand into it. So, you help. So, if you see, if you see, a, there's a system near us that I'm sure we'll get next. It's called Luham 16. It, it's even worse than the other two systems we've got. But if we, if, if we got that one blocked by helping other minor factions expand into that one, and they had the maximum seven then we couldn't expand into that so you can in theory control uh, i don't not accurately control but you can certainly influence where where you will turn up to next but i think that requires a huge amount of concerted effort of of monitoring all of those systems i mean we have stats on the nearby systems on traffic reports to help us try and tell if new players are coming in but i think going to that level requires a a dedicated group of players the Hutton Truckers are fantastic, but we do a lot. The background simulation is not what we're all about. We'll do, as you know, we'll do convoys, we'll do mug runs, we'll do um, community goals. And, and so we're helping with when participating with other player groups. So if we were going to do it, I'm sure we could, but I don't think we're up that level. Certainly not at the moment to, to focus on that. So I'll. Current ultimate aim is: we just want a we want a system with a large landing pad so people in anacondas can actually dock. That's that's all we want. There are a few near where we are, but there are also some more rubbishy systems just with outposts. Which I wouldn't surprise me if that's where we get put next. <laughs>
1: Um, just for those people that are interested in uh, looking up that forum post, it was a uh, Walter Kremien, That's K-R-E-M-I-E-N, uh, who's done quite a bit of information uh, posting on the background uh, simulation. But um, just going back to the point that you raised at the beginning in terms of those people that are listening to the show who think actually, you know, maybe I fancy uh, putting together a minor faction. Maybe we could uh, we could get involved with this. Um what sort of criteria do Frontier Developments have to accept or reject an application? Do we know
3: that information? Yeah, yeah so I sent them, um, I haven't got it to hand, but it was just a, literally, there was an email to, I think it was like to community or groups at, front, at frontierdevelopments.co.uk. was um, a forum post um, by uh, Zach and Ed on, on it of, of how to apply, but they they want a, a name of your faction, um, where you want to be based, what kind of sort of government you are, so um uh, Democracy, um, anarchy, whatever you want. Uh, whether you're aligned to any of the main, not powers as in power play powers, but whether you're aligned to the Feds or the Alliance or um, the Imperials, and then a description of your group because that that description eventually w- will appear in the game if someone clicks on the minor faction, uh, and where you want to be based. They then review it. I'm guessing on depending on where you are, they'll, they'll talk to it. Wouldn't surprise me if some of them go up to Mike to Mike Brooks's level to look at see if it's going to have an impact on. What he's got planned for for, for the on, ongoing background story? I'm sure with ours going into Alpha Centauri, it's like, well, they're close. They're close to Sol. Is that going to be an issue or not? We're also slap bang in the middle of all all three powers and power play, which causes us causes us some issues. So the, the requirements are relatively. Slim I mean, ours went through quite quite quickly. I, I think Frontier wanted us to do one just after the stuff we did with um, all the sort of the the hut and mug community goal and stuff like that. so it, ours went through relatively quickly. I know some others have had back and forth conversations, and a couple of others seem to just got ignored. I think Frontier might have actually lost some of those requests because I saw an email asking for them to be resubmitted so there are loads there are people that are much more. Expandedness. I know in the last newsletter they listed all the ones that have got eight or more systems, and hinted yeah, that, that one of yeah. those might be turned into a power. They, I think that's not an automatic process. I think that's definitely a a, a decision by Frontier, and they manually will will, will, will turn that for, turn a faction in into a power. They haven't given any guidelines or rules over what it is, so I think it's their sort of arbitrary decision.
1: I mean, looking at this as sort of a a broader picture, for those people that aren't getting involved with Uh, experiences with um – the likes of eve online for example this is all starting to sound a little bit like big player bases and you know lots of people trying to flip systems and blockade systems is there anything that people need to be concerned about in terms of if frontier developments decide to take this you know further mean, what sort of advantages can people have to owning these systems what sort of benefits can players get by being part of
3: the group not not massive, in all fairness, <laughs> that we've seen. So, I mean, you you become allied with the minor faction, so everything shows green on the radar. And I think you'll get... Uh, if you and but with any minor faction, not just a player player minor faction, uh, as you build up your reputation and your influence with that minor faction, you'll get access to better and bigger missions. But that applies to uh, whether it's the uh, whether you apply to sort of the bit the big sort of galactic powers of, of of the Imperials or or the Federals, or um you're working with a minor faction. So I haven't, we haven't seen any massive tangible benefits so if if players don't want to do it absolutely you don't need to do it the only thing i would the only thing i think players potentially need to be cautious of is if you're going into a conflict zone and it happens to be with the between a much so one of the minor powers is trying to take over a a, a station always at war with, with another minor faction then just be careful because you, if you're going into there and it is a player supported minor faction, you may well make sure you pick the right side because you may come up against a hell of a lot of commanders which <laughs> which is which is what we 've seen recently so in the the war that we've going on going on as wise there's a lot of commanders coming in because there was a capital ship there, so I think people want to come along and fight for the feds we're trying to be nice and saying look we're trying to we're telling people what we 're doing in the in game chat and saying look." We'll have, look. You're happy to swap sides and come and fight for us, but if you don't, we will have to attack. We tend to try and strip their shields and then give them another warning. But if they don't, then we will. But it's all in the conflict zone. We we feel as if we're being reasonably fair, and we do try and do it in open all the time as well. So we're not trying to. We're trying to be open and let players come in. If people want to play along and come along and oppose us, absolutely fine.
1: I know um, Hutton Trackers is uh, quite sort of multinational in terms of how many different uh, uh, countries we have representing, but that sounds like an awfully British way of doing um, doing combat. <laughs>
3: That no, sounds so, awfully polite. <laughs> well, no, so 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 one of the so uh, Commander Michelle, who was leading some of the charges, she's based in the US and it, she, she was firing off warning shots and everything. I mean, admittedly, she was quite intimidating because she was in a fully armed cutter. So if you could come up against one of those, it is sorry, Corvette. So I got it wrong. Um, yeah, fully armed Corvette. It is slightly intimidating, but it, it is very multinational. We've got, I mean, people in all regions that we've got. I mean, yeah, all over Europe, uh, Australia, New Zealand. We've got this sort of, the night. Shift that that covers a large large part of the U.S. Uh, it it helps being in such a large large group, but yeah, it, it is it is good fun, and we are trying to be polite. If people want to come along and oppose us, there's Reddit posts we see occasionally where people are. are uh, um, Appearing to be intimidated by us, but it's like we've got two outposts in one system and we can't even take over <laughs> the third one. So I, I don't think I don't think that the, the Federation needs to, needs to be intimidated by, by our expansion attempts. But there were a number of number of calls on. Uh, we have seen a couple of couple of threads on on Reddit where people are calling calling all, all um, Federation people to to come and try and stop us. So we tend to jump on those threads and just shout for the mug all over them to see if we can smother them. <laughs> okay well let's uh,
1: let's wrap up this uh this particular topic around background simulation is there anything else that you uh that I might have missed that you want to just sort of uh, cover off is there anything for if people want to get involved in it is there any sort of good resources that they can go and do any videos that you could direct them to or
3: so that, that the best place I would start was is, is looking at that forum post by by walt it's it's a really good place to start if you're looking at going at it and seeing what you can do i I would if and if you want to do it our recommendation would would be plan where you pick your system don't pick one in the middle of the bubble where you've got all the power play around you and and by so there are are groups that have deliberately picked um, systems right on the edge of the bubble where they've got low player traffic so they can get a lot more accurate information because no one else is flying there so one of the issues with the play model is because people can play in open and we try and do that all the time but we could be being undermined in solo or private groups and, and never see those players so it's quite tricky to work out if our actions are actually having an effect. And I think that was one of the reasons of of Michael's post was, I think they're getting a lot of bug reports and people saying, oh, this is bugged and this is bugged. So I think he's tried to explain, look, this is how some of it works. And what you're raising as bugs aren't bugs. You're just, you're hitting the game and someone might be opposing you. So your influence isn't increasing because there's more of them. I, I would like to see some more information present presented in the game so in combat zones it, I, I don't think it'd be stretching too much to say okay to see how many combat bonds that we've claimed as Hutton truckers and the other team have so we could say okay we've claimed 14 million in the last in the last 24 hours but they've claimed 28 million and then you'd know potentially that you're being you're actually are being actively opposed by other groups so that would be a good good ad i think
1: yeah, and certainly Michael said that uh, when Horizon seasons are all sort of wrapped up, one of the things they are hoping to do is that they're not going to really reveal any more detailed information around the background simulation in terms of analytics or numbers, but they are going to try and do something that um, makes it easier for the player base to actually follow what the hell's going on. Um, yeah, you know, obviously change the uh, the UI or change some sort of graphics to uh, to represent the data in a way that you know yeah. people can actually follow what's uh, what's happening. Which I mean, it's got to be a good thing, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and if people are interested in it, I'm Commander Spike in-game, friend me, send me some in-game chat. I'm on Andrew Crabe on Facebook, so I'm more than happy to answer any questions of what we know. I, I'm not pretending to be an expert at all, but we've, we've got some data that we've gathered and we're chatting to, as I said, chatting to other player groups to see their experience, to try and work out where the bugs actually are. So hopefully some of the sort of the groups that are actively working on this can gather some some, some, some sort of data that we can actually give to Frontier to get them to confirm are we just hitting bugs or are we actually just hitting other players, but players actually a- actively opposing us? And it'd be good to be able to easily identify that.
1: Okay, and obviously um, you know, Hutton Truckers is the group that uh, Lave Radio is fully behind. How can people join Hutton Truckers if they want to? Looking at the bunch of reprobates on there, there doesn't seem to be any sort of entrance <laughs> exam. There doesn't no. seem to be any sort of you know, quality control as to who they uh, who you guys let in.
3: We, we we have one very loosely applied rule of you must have at least gone to Hutton once and listened to our radio station while while you're doing it. But if <laughs> if, if people want to join in, so that, that we have a, we have a private group in game called Hutton Truckers. So there is a commander Hutton Truckers that I fly as. The, the group's basically there to identify which of the fellow truckers are online at time because once you've got a private group, you can see who's online in that group or not. So it's there to help us track who's actually online, so we can have conversations and wing up with people. But we've got Hutton Orbital Radio Truckers on facebook there's www.huttonorbital.com and then the in-game private group and then just contact us anyway and come and join in the fun and if you people want to sort of us to help them on stuff we're quite happy to work with other player groups in the our current conflict we've had lots of the other groups that we've helped out on things on the radio station and in events that are all coming in to help us on our on our current conflict so we're all about trying to interact with other groups, whether it's good stuff, because we do stuff with the code and some of the pirate groups. It's all friendly, organized, and it is some good stuff going on.
1: Perfect. And I suppose we say that uh, you guys are normally hanging out on the Live Radio TeamSpeak, which is laveradio.teamspeak3.com, uh, yes. and that's open for anybody who anybody wants to pop in there and just say hi. Okay, well, that's going to leave it. Uh, let's leave it there for uh, community uh, for for the background simulation community groups and all that good stuff. Um, let's move on and find out actually what's going on in the community and give a few shout outs to a few notable things that are going on at the moment. Uh, the first one is a nice bit of comms chatter and it was in the, the newsletter and that is that for those people that are interested, there may have been uh, the perfect racetrack discovered. Uh, as, have any of you guys got into the whole SRV racing? Has anybody had a look at this and uh, and taken their ship down to have a go?
0: I've not had a proper race, but it does look awesome. No. Nope.
3: Mm.
1: It does. I mean, when I glanced at it uh, in the newsletter, I thought somebody had found the, um, <laughs> the, uh, the Superman emblem on a planet. Because that's uh, at a glance what it looked like to me, uh, but they're basically saying that this is the um this is the place to uh actually it's not SRVs this is, this is the the canyons that you should be uh, flying your sidewinders around is that right
0: having driven around the bottom of a canyon in an SRV I, they're very dark i can't imagine wanting to um, <laughs> let me just let me just pull this up on uh, here we go this is the surface feature that someone's found on a planet and it is basically a sort of ring canyon that goes all the way around um it would be, you'd have to pick a very particular time of day if you wanted to do that in a, in a buggy, um, because the bottom of that canyon is going to be in darkness a lot, uh, and racing over terrain like that just with your headlights is going to be painful, let's be honest. But actually, you know, if you wanted to do an Independence Day style um, fighter flight through some canyons, that would be an excellent one to do it.
1: I'm having a look at it on uh, on your screen there, Jarvis. That looks nothing like the Superman emblem at all. I'm no, I don't know why you were
0: talking about that, really, to be honest.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely <laughs> nothing like it. So. New glasses Let's just for Fox, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. Okay. Um... Someone keeps on... Well, lots of people in the chat tonight are shouting barnacles at me. Um, <laughs> can someone please explain to me what it is? I mean, do, does it look like I've got barnacles growing on me, or, or, or what's the story here? What am I missing?
2: Well, the barnacles... the barnacles! The barnacles are... Um, looks like it's the next step in the Unidentified Artifact saga. And these seem to be um, special... Points of interest on planets. There's actually a frame taken from the Horizons launch trailer, where you uh, see an SRV looking through what looks like alien artifacts, which have crashed onto a planet. Um, the people, there's a, the um, uh, the uh, unidentified artifact people, and there are a lot of them out there. Um, uh, I've started off a full investigation into this. Now, the region of space that it can be found is specifically is the Pleiades system, a.k.a. the Seven Sisters. I apologize for my pronunciation. I am Glaswegian, really. Uh, so you'll always find them on a planet at a point of interest, and they are exceedingly rare. We've been told that they are in-game, but not a player hasn't found one yet. Uh, they are linked to the metal alloys, which I haven't had to come across yet, but um, they don't need a mission to find them either. So um, I think Crash has, has mentioned that this is the biggest needle in a haystack thing <laughs> that we've come across so far, because considering that the Seven Sisters is is light years and light years and light years and light years wide, uh, and there's planets and planets within planets, well, <laughs> good luck. I hope we get some clues soon. Um, but it does seem to have captured the imagination and and people are really going for it.
1: So, conspiracy theory. So it's good that the X-Files is coming back onto TV. I think <laughs> there's a few people out there who this might appeal to. I,
3: I was just going to raise one, one thing that I've heard is, is possible with them, and I, I know a command has been doing this So, obviously when you're undermining other factions you take missions against them one thing you can apparently do and I, I've heard has been done is because you can sell UAs on the black market you can smuggle them into a system you're trying to do and if you sell enough of them on the black market they start to damage the station and start affecting the services the station has available
2: yes that's that's a known effect, uh, effect of uh, too many Sorry, unknown artefacts on a station isn't it
3: yeah, which is which, which is a, I mean, it's absolutely brilliant, brilliant way that that's actually added into the game. I haven't got figures on how many you actually need to find out and deliver, but I know star um, systems have been, oh, starports have been damaged by people selling too many of them. Really?
1: That's priceless. I'm going to have to look into that. That's a great game mechanic. On
3: the subject
2: of priceless, can I just interrupt at this particular moment in time? Um, I have a word of warning to go out to all commanders. Please, whatever you do, if you are using voice attack, please use headphones. Don't have all the sound coming out of your speakers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Mostly because there is a video that has been posted on the Elite Dangerous group in Facebook of, uh, how should we put this, a prank, which involved someone asking, uh, someone was watching, uh, filming someone um, leaving the station in their, in their brand new Mint Asp. And unfortunately, the player group on TeamSpeak, someone said, oh, have you got TeamSpeak installed? And they went, yeah, it's great, yeah, boost. And it (laughs) worked. It it reminded me of the first time I ever saw the trial of the voice recognition software and someone from the crowd shouted out, DelTree star dot star, yes, yes, and it worked. (laughs) Now there's one (laughs) for the audience. That's that's nerdy. You're going to have to explain
1: that one for those people that don't know coding.
2: Well, DelTree star dot star is a root in DOS it's a command in dos which basically will wipe the entire hard disk <sighs> del tree as in delete tree star dot star and then it'll say are you sure yes and then there you go and i'll say oh. that i'll say that the voice recognition software worked absolutely fine <laughs>
1: But haven't we uh, haven't we already seen this? You know, haven't people already learned their lesson? 'Cause didn't uh, didn't the Connect and Microsoft have this problem yes, where yeah. people were shutting down other people's Xboxes with certain commands. I'm a PlayStation guy, so I don't know. I, I do remember. It's
0: the
2: Xbox advert. And that's happened with us. We've got the Xbox advert which which came on at Christmas. And you know, you have Mr Mr whoever's advertising and he goes, Xbox on and of course everybody who's got an Xbox <laughs> <laughs> we'll switch on when they hear that when it hears that advert
0: <laughs> yeah there was another and thing where you uh, could set your gamer tag to be um xbox yeah. shut down and then if people were yelling at you <laughs> yelling your name in games it would just turn their uh turn their console <laughs> off which was quite <laughs> funny
2: <laughs> yeah, that is what you call a good hack.
1: <laughs> oh dear, that, that's priceless. Okay, so if you have voice attack uh, installed, people, make sure that your sound is not coming out over your speakers. Make sure you get a headset to avoid falling for the same voice attack prank. Excellent, I love it. Brilliant. Um, What else have we got to cover off? Um, Distant Worlds Expedition. Um, For those people that don't know, this is uh, where over 600 pilots uh, from across colonized space are joining together in a monumental effort to cross the galaxy as one unit to uh, to travel out to the farthest depths and catalog data on points of interest. Uh, Travellers for years to come will talk about and visit Um, If you want to be part of that group, they kick off that on the 14th of January. And if you want to go to the relevant post, it's tinyurl.com forward slash ed and then dwe for Distant Worlds Expedition. Um, It was mentioned in the newsletter as well, but but, uh, for those people that want to be explorers out there, if you want to have some friends, I don't like the idea of being a solo explorer, um, then you can set out for the Distant Worlds Expedition uh, with, I think, currently at not over 600, it's over 700 people have signed up for this, yeah?
2: Um, when we've had um, uh, uh, Ed and company doing a CQC live stream just before us, and they were saying that in this particular time, uh, yeah, they've, they've gone and bumped it over 700. Apparently this was mentioned in PC Gamer, and as soon as it was mentioned in PC Gamer, the number of people signing up for it jumped <laughs> by about 200.
1: <laughs> wow, okay. Brilliant. Well, it'd be nice because um, I mean, I ha- it's one of the elements of Elite Dangerous I really haven't got into. I haven't done my um, my pilgrimage down to Sager uh, Sag yet. Is exploring fun? I mean, obviously, Jarvis, you're doing some, some scouting <laughs> for locations, but
0: yeah, what I'm doing <laughs> I mean, is not really uh, exploring. I'm, I'm not very far oh, from it, stuff that's going on. It's tough.
3: I did. I did the Gimp Run because after we sent the Hutton and Truckers on it, I thought I had to do it. <laughs> so it took me 6 weeks of I don't get to play a massive amount but it took me 6 weeks to get there and back. So it's um it, it, it part of it was quite enjoyable but then and part of that was just doing what is commonly referred to as honk scoop jump I was, I was just doing it as, <laughs> as, 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 as quickly as possible. <laughs> it, it, if you want to get to Sad J quickly. So so we had some of the some commanders that so a commander called BGT did it did the whole thing in less than 24 hours so 19 mugs but you can get to Sajay in less than nine hours I think if you kit out the right ship and and he came back but he 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 took the short journey back of suiciding at the other end because he wasn't bothered about getting back with any data but if you do (laughs) uh, if you kit out the right ship and get an ASP uh, pure, with nothing in apart from effectively a A6 fuel scoop which is quite expensive you can get there in about 9 hours of gameplay but you yeah you don't get to find anything you don't get any exploration so i found some stuff i got my name against 3 earth likes and got about 27 million for my 6 week
2: trip mm. wow yeah you you do when you actually do come back um i mean i had a target of heading out to PH2 which was Koi uh, three six six three because that was one of the first um, uh, planets ever discovered in the Goldilocks zone by Kepler. So that was one thing that I wanted to go and see. And on the way out there, yes, you you just you are just basically honk. <laughs> coop and jumping, and <laughs> that's fantastic, that is, until you get you get to what you want. I mean, obviously the honk is, the, is you're using your advanced scanner to, to see what's actually there, but what I did find was it was far nicer on the way back, just relaxing and then, and then saying, oh, that's quite pretty, I'll have a quick look over there, or um, I'll, I'll try and scan this Particular system, and then, of course the first thing that you always do is when you look at your um, system map is you, you you're looking for earth likes It's the first thing you do. You're looking for anything that looks really yeah. Earth-like. And uh, but um, I've I've discovered a couple of a couple of them. But uh, I will say when you when you're about three hundred four hundred light years out, and suddenly you see that first little other ship the first ship that you see you, sort of, you 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 your backside just goes is he going to attack because you you suddenly realize how much is data that you have got and how much is it worth and then first time you see a hollow square is is a bit interesting after that point i was i was almost tempted to go solo all the way back uh, uh, when i first saw that but thankfully the the commander whoever he was didn't think i was interesting enough or wasn't into that kind of thing so yeah it is it's a bit flying without insurance until you yeah. finally drop your drop your data load if you like in the, in the in the, the closest available system
1: how do you normally find that i mean obviously there's a a wonderful moment with the the hollow square when you're you're light years away from civilization do you i mean do people normally go out that far and then decide to pirate, or well, it can't be it's got to be uh, slim pickings out that far.
2: Oh yeah, there were some slim pickings, but there was one notorious incident of someone who did fly out to side, Jay with the particular yeah. uh, thing of pirating people when they got there. or it wasn't even pirating, it was griefing. basically he. Found, um, I don't know who it was, but I, I think this one's gone down as an urban legend uh, unless you know uh, different Andrew. But- I couldn't say, but I'd, I've heard enough stories that, that
3: that there was a there was a commander in, a, in in an anaconda that was just parked up there for weeks. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've just attacking anybody that turned up. Which, w- while I disagree with his actions, it is it is it is, it is slight, slightly amusing that he's he's willing to commit that time that far out. Because if he dies, he's obviously knackered as well. He's 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 got a number of hours just just to get back there. But yeah, I'd, yeah, I don't know if he got any of the truckers when when we were sending them out there. I think we had fifty four, fifty
2: six people did did the run and dropped off a mug at Sajay Yeah, I mean the one thing that I do, I mean I I always fly tooled up. There are some people that fly stripped down, absolutely bare, derated all the way, and then jump and try and get the biggest um, jump range they get. I, I don't trust anybody I meet out there, so I'm going tooled up. Because yeah, if, you, if you're going to try and have a go, you're going to get a surprise because I've got something to fight back with. Most people that do the, the, the quick run out there haven't got much to defend themselves with.
1: Yeah, but even so, if you're in an explorer ship and you meet an anaconda that's sat there like a big fat dragon with a sitting on a pile of gold, you ain't got a
2: chance, you know? <laughs> well, She's actually, dying. you'd be surprised because that anaconda has been out there for quite a while, and that means its internal um, its internal yeah, okay. structures has been hammered, and we've seen on the hunt and run that the internal uh, hull value yeah, actually really makes a very big difference. So you can you can hit an ana if you get the shields down and their internal health structure is not that strong, then it crumples a lot easier than it normally would. Hmm. Interesting.
3: Yeah, It we'll would we'll be good to fly a wing of a oh, wing of four combat ships out there and see if you can find them. That would because <laughs> they would then be terrified if you see see four corvettes come out. <laughs>
1: Or, you know, the other way of doing it would, of course, to be teaming up with 700 plus other pilots and going out there as a big group. <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah. Okay, guys. Again, just that uh, that URL again. It's uh, ED for Elite Dangerous and then DWE. And that will take you to all the information on the Distance World uh, Expedition. Uh, so if you're interested in that sort of stuff, and, yeah, it sounds like it could be good fun, uh, get yourself over there and uh, and sign up. Uh, one final thing for the community corner is the fuel rats. Uh, Colin, I believe you were following this one.
2: Yeah, um, you've got, because uh, we're talking long distance, um, we, you've got to take your hats off to the fuel rats for doing this. Um, they completed a rescue um, a couple of days ago. Uh, 36 hours ago, according to this, two fuel rats travelled 56,000 light years in 48 hours to rescue one pilot. Whoa. Brilliant. <laughs> I know. He was travelling. Uh, the, the person was in, pl- uh, good grief, Plox a- a- YX-J-A8-0 in order to rescue a stranded commander who will remain anonymous unless they, <laughs> they de anonymize themselves. Uh, and this beats the old record of almost double their longest rescue. So two fuel rats went out there. One was the backup fuel rat, and yeah, take your hats off for that. that that's they do that. There's no reward. There's just the, the the pleasure of of making sure that a commander can come back home. So. Which is impressive.
1: I mean, do we, have, um, do we have the names of those two fuel rats? Do we have their commander names, just so we can give them a, a shout-out, nothing else, a shout-out online, just to give them a bit of recognition?
2: Well, I've got, uh, I've got the Reddit commander names here. So we've got Commander Remie Zero and uh, Commander Halo SOS, or Halo SOS. <laughs> so
1: Commander Halo SOS and Commander, what was the first one? Remie Zero. Remy Zero, well, you know, amazing effort, guys. Well done on that. Um, I have to say, you're far more altruistic than I am, because I would just let him sit there until this chip fell apart. Um, but having been rescued by the Fuel Rats myself, uh, quite embarrassingly, live on air, <laughs> uh, I have to say that these are a, an awesome bunch of guys, uh, and girls, probably, um, yeah, hats off to you. Great uh, great community spirit. And i say far more altruistic than uh, than I would be. Um, okay, I'm not sure if that's not uh, that's not it for all the stuff we need to cover on this particular episode and in case uh, anybody else has anything they want to cover off or mention.
0: We have some shout-outs. So we had a message from someone. His name has disappeared from the chart, chart. Could you give a short... Would you like to give people a news report about our faction? So they've made a little YouTube video... Uh, which is some kind of it's quite some interesting um fiction uh, around their faction that they're putting together. um I won't go into it because it's uh, an insane little thing to uh, watch, but if you go to YouTube and search for the Conway report zero zero one about the player group called null I believe, uh, then yeah go watch our video. Um,
1: the other thing we should probably mention is that uh, mr. Stabler. Has also got a Kickstarter. Do you guys mention this Kickstarter last week?
2: I think we did. Well, Mr Stapler was on it. I thought, yeah. he, I thought he did.
1: John has actually launched his own. He's been brave. He's launched his own Kickstarter for a new uh, first person. Is it a first person shooter? I don't know if you'd call like a yeah. Quake game or a Doom game a, a first person shooter. Um, it's a it's a first it's
0: person cool. shooter with. It, I will tell you what, it comes Magic. across like it comes across a little bit like Bomberman, but in first person. So you've got wizards, and they're kind of lobbing spells at each other and damaging the environment around each other and dropping each other through floors and or, or all that kind of stuff.
2: Um, so it's, a, it's really a first-person speller, then?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Runes of Anarchy. Uh, ridiculous magical multiplayer is what yeah. he's calling it. So it's first-person action game featuring frantic magic and a hilariously absurd multiplayer experience. Uh, if you want to check that out, i try and see if there's a small... Uh, Small URL for, well, just search for runes of anarchy on On Kickstarter Kickstarter. or or Google it. Um, He's got 24 days to go and, uh, yeah, he needs a little bit of love, I reckon. Um, So we need to try and get the word out for him. Uh, Okay, any other shout-outs that people have got to mention?
2: Uh, Well, I'd I'd just like to say something. um, (laughs) There is an elite dangerous writing contest in progress at the moment that um, Dale has put up on uh, Reddit. So, if you, if you go along to the Elite Dangerous Reddit group, you will find, as a stickied at the very top, uh, the Elite Dangerous writing contest, which is no more than 600 words. Your story may include characters from the Elite Dangerous lore, uh, but it must be about an original character of your own creation, which could be your commander, it could be uh, any, anybody you like. So, the entries must be submitted before the 24th of January, uh, so good luck. Great stuff. Anything else? Well, there's also the, ten- the what was it the CQC competition that's got a very big prize. They were they were doing Ed and Company were doing a live stream before us about CQC, where they were beginning to uh, tell people about the uh, the the heats and the processes that they were they were going to put into place for people to to enter this competition. Uh, unfortunately, due to the fact that I was putting the kids to bed, I missed most of that bit. But um, the CQC stuff. I must admit, uh, I'm actually getting really into it at the moment, but I don't think I'll be anywhere near good enough to enter the competition.
1: I have to say, Colin, as far as lay radio is concerned, you have to enter Obi-Wan Kenobi, your only hope, (laughs) because nobody else has got into CQC at all.
2: (laughs) Well, if anybody's watched the last Top Shift video where where I did take a look at both the new fighters and and CQC, you'll probably notice that you've got nothing to worry about. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay, well, let's uh, let's wrap it up there then. So um, that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laberadio.com, Facebook forward slash Lave Radio, at Lave Radio on Twitter, and if you want to, you can join our, scap- uh, scap- our Skype chat channel by adding fozzer 101 to your Skype contacts. If you like, you can join our TeamSpeak server where commanders from, obviously, Lave Radio and also Hutton Truckers come to hang out and chat. That's at laberadio.teamspeak3.com and we record this podcast live on a tuesday evening at eight twenty. that's uh, british time and it's streamed out on lateradio.com forward slash live thank you very much to to mr jarvis to mr ford and to andrew <laughs> cray for coming on and helping us through the the wonderful minefield that is the background simulation that's it for this particular episode of late radio until next time fly safe and if you can't do that fly dangerous
0: aí com